0: you are listening
1: to the bark the browns podcast with brandon wolf and asa Hastage. guys, welcome on into the Bark of the Browns podcast. We are your hosts, Brandon Wolf and Asa Haslidge. And today we have our mega episode, which is going to be our two episodes combined, uh, the Around the NFL episode and the preview episode for Sunday's matchup between the Browns and the Titans. Um, a lot to go over in this episode. A lot of stuff around the NFL, obviously. Robert Sala possibly going to the Lions. Vontaze Berfick being arrested on a battery charge. Uh, the Steelers activating Stefan Tuitt from the COVID list. Uh, the Ravens are now down to just Trace McSorley on their QB or on their roster as far as QBs go, um, and and I mean even Tua in the Dolphins is a, is a huge one right now. Not really sure what's going on there. But before we dive into all that, ASA, how are you doing today?
0: I'm feeling good. Um, you know, really prepared for this mega episode. We thought we'd do something cool for you guys. You know, missing those couple things. Uh, you know, a couple days with you know Brandon's laptop catching the rona so we figured we'd do something cool like a mega episode something big for you guys so um you know i'm just ready to get all into this stuff like you said man it's a lot to get into um it's just, yeah, we got to dive right in, man. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a little crazy. I do want to start with the Robert Sala
1: stuff because Robert Sala was a guy, as far as us Browns fans, a lot of people wanted him last year. He was a guy that he's constantly hyped on the sideline for that defense. He's constantly getting that defense to really put in the work. And as far as the Lions go, if I'm not mistaken, Matt Patricia was a defensive coordinator for the Patriots. Before he ended up, yeah, before he ended up going to the Lions, obviously the Lions then fire him after a few years. And now Robert Sala is the defensive coordinator. You think the Lions could be going in the right direction with Robert Sala? Or do you think maybe they should go maybe offensive minded?
0: Um, It's a tricky thing because, um, you know, Detroit for years and years and years has just been a I don't know what you really want to call it. It's, you know, nothing really happens in Detroit. I mean, you know, you got, you get some good player generational players, um, and you know, their careers arguably wasted. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, you're talking about one of the best wide receivers of all time in Megatron. Yeah.
0: And then Barry Sanders didn't really, I mean, he did all, he got his individual accolades, but you know, deserved Damn. a ring. He didn't get one. Um, it's just, I, I don't really know. They obviously need something different. Um, you know, like you talked about, he's a very high energy coach. So, um, you know, that could, that could help. Uh, it's just really tough. Uh, they just need something there. Um, yeah, I I don't know, man, they just need something different. It's they're just so down. I mean, speaking from experience, uh, I don't think we really knew what we needed when we needed it as Browns fans for 20 years. Um, It's just, you really don't know what they need, but once they get it, then, then they'll know, I think. Um, So maybe Robert Sala could be the Kevin Stefanski to the Browns. We didn't know we needed Kevin Stefanski, but when we got him, we knew that's what, that's the guy. So maybe that could be the same situation in Detroit.
1: Yeah. I mean, looking at the lions, Matt Stafford probably doesn't spend too much time, too much more time on that roster. Um, obviously the talk about him moving on from the lions next year after his contract is up is there's a lot of talks for that. I mean, there are a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. Um, probably not as many as there were coming into this season before the draft, but I mean, there are still teams that need quarterbacks, uh, the jets being a huge one there uh the Jets I mean I don't see the Jets passing up on Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or whatever happens with that but at the same time if if they decide to and and they lock up somebody like Matt Stafford that could totally change the whole direction of their franchise so that's a little crazy but I mean yeah with the Lions it's not like any certain part of their team is amazing it's like they're a I don't even want to say well-rounded because they're not a great team either. You know, they're, they're pretty They They play poor. So it's, they're not playing that great. So with them, it's like they're a decently rounded team to where their defense is decent and their offense is decent. So I don't, I mean, again, it's really, where do the detroit lions want to go with their franchise do they want to be a defensive center team and bring in a guy like robert sala or do they want to be be an offensive minded team and bring in somebody like eric bieniemy
0: yeah it's you know both are good points it's definitely good directions that they could go um you know honestly for me i would want matthew stafford to go somewhere that he has a chance to succeed um, there's been so many points, so many injuries he's fought through. Um, I can't remember when it was against us in like 2010, he like dislocated his shoulder, broke his collarbone or something, and still threw a game when he passed against us. Like right. uh, it's, you know, that Matthew Stafford is probably one of the toughest quarterbacks I've ever seen play the game of football. And you know, that all those years he's fought through all those things in Detroit and just <laughs> being in Detroit is his whole career. I would really want him to go somewhere where he has the chance to succeed. Right. Um, definitely. New York is not that place at all. Um, they definitely need some things. Yeah. It's. Uh, I don't know. And like, I'm just going to say the same thing I said earlier about Detroit. I just really don't know what they would need because if you really try to go with the offensive side, but then Matthew Stafford decides to leave, it's like, okay, (laughs) we don't have a guy to revolve our system around anymore. So you you can't really be offensive centered, but then, um, you know, like you said, it's, I I think what you were trying to say or what could be said about the lions is just nothing stands out. Right. And so it's, you know, you can't really look at, um, I mean, you, can, you have Jeff Okuda there, you know, a bright young star. If you go defensive-centered, you can kind of build a defense around, you know, your corners and your secondary. Right. Uh, you know, I think that seems like a more realistic oper- – uh, um, what am I trying to say? Route, yeah. realistic route. Mm-hmm. I guess you know, really thinking about it and stepping back. It's funny we say things and then five minutes later, it's like, <laughs> oh wait, never mind.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. That's that's what we were trying to think about, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I do want to kind of shift it over to the Matt Stafford situation a little bit. I want to go through some teams that might need a quarterback, but between now and next, I mean, the start of next season. So we're looking at the Patriots. That's a scary one to think about, too, because Matt Stafford's only 32 years old. Uh, He's got a good five to eight years left, probably in the tank, I would think. I mean, most quarterbacks play into their late 30s, sometimes early 40s. Obviously, Tom Brady's the most recent guy when you think about a player like that. Um, Obviously, most, most teams in the AFC North are pretty locked up at the QB situation. Besides maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, As a Browns fan, I don't want to think about that because really when big Ben leaves Pittsburgh, that's when I, I feel like the decline of Pittsburgh is going to start happening. And to think that that could, that Matt Stafford could come in and, and relieve big Ben of his duties and continue to be an elite quarterback. That's kind of scary for me. Um, Jacksonville is another one. I mean, that's a team that they might be looking for a quarterback here soon. I mean, again, they're, they're right up there with the jets. They're both two of the worst teams, in the NFL right now, they're both going to be looking quarterback in the draft um, say Jacksonville slips up and, or the jets slip up and they end up winning a game. Then they're right there tied with Jacksonville. And uh, then they're both going to be fighting for that number one seed and potentially Trevor Lawrence. If that's who either of those teams decide to go after uh, Denver, Denver's another team. Um, drew lock. We don't really know what's going on with him. He's still young. They might give him another year. And I mean, we don't really know. I mean, looking through some of these teams, it's like, there's at least one team in every division that probably needs a quarterback right now, you know? So, um, with the NFC East, this one's a little weird because with Dallas, we don't know what's going on with Dak. Um, we don't know when Dak's coming back again, we hope for next year. But again, that could, that could be a weird situation as well, because obviously with him being at the end of his contract, that's going to be a huge decision for them to make. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, you got Washington and New York, Washington, Alex Smith is good, but obviously they're going to need a franchise quarterback here soon. And Matt Stafford could be the guy, you know, New York, same thing with kind of Denver. They don't know what Daniel Jones is yet, and they might want to wait another year and kind of see what that is. Um, Minnesota is a little weird. Chicago kind of weird. And obviously that same division as Detroit, like Minnesota. Kirk cousins is good. And I think that they, again, they'll continue with him. But again, when does it come to the point with them that <clears throat> they're going to be looking for a quarterback that can take them to the next level? You know? Yeah. I know I'm kind of just rambling here for a minute through some teams, but Chicago is definitely going to need a quarterback here soon. Um, The NFC South, I would say, is probably the only division that might not need a quarterback next year. Um, Just because you have Teddy Bridgewater. They just gave Teddy B all that money in Carolina. They're not going to want to move on from him right away. You got Matt Ryan in Atlanta, franchise guy. Tom Brady in Tampa, franchise guy. Drew Brees, we don't know what's going on with him in New Orleans, but Jameis Winston's also there. So they kind of... I mean, Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. So wherever they decide to go with that, but and even in the NFC West, San Francisco, we don't really know what's going on with them either. Jimmy G, he uh, coming off that injury, we don't really know what's going on. Obviously, you got want guys to heal to 100% before you bring them back, especially quarterbacks. But at the same time, like when Jimmy G was in, he wasn't phenomenal this year. I mean, he. a lot of guys last year, a lot of people last year compared him or well, I don't want to say a lot of guys, but me personally, I compared him to a Baker Mayfield with a good defense, if that makes sense. I mean, he, he was a guy that just like this offense this year, Baker Mayfield hasn't had to make insane throws because he's had a running back core to back him up. And Jimmy G, that defense carried them to this super bowl. I'm not going to, the defense in the running game, I will say Kyle Shanahan knew when to use Jimmy G and when to not use Jimmy G. And it kind of felt like he, he knew how to do that all season long until they got to the super bowl. And then he tried to use Jimmy G so much there in that second half of that super bowl that he just totally lost the super bowl for him. So sorry, just to kind of close on my point here for a minute. So those are all teams that need quarterbacks next year. Maybe we could see Matt Stafford move a team here, move to a different team here soon.
0: I'm hoping, honestly. Um, one possibility I was kind of thinking of, uh, like I said, I, I don't know if it's really one that I'd like to see, but it's a very realistic um, scenario. Um, you know, he he goes to one of these teams that has a young guy, and they either use him as a, or he throws a pick. Then you got Matthew Stafford to. Be, you know, have the surface or whatever, and be like, "Look, dude, this is what you did." Like, right? You know, obviously Matthew Stafford is smart. He's a veteran. He's been here for a while, so right. kind of coach could,
1: up a young guys. What you're exactly?
0: Or just you know, he he has been in the league for a while, and we do see some quarterbacks play into their forties. But they could also see um you know just have Matthew Stafford there for a couple years, and then have their young guy on the bench or something, and then once he's ready, then they go with their young guy, you know, like Drew Locke or Daniel Jones or something, you know. Um, that could definitely be a possibility that you could see. Um, I, I see that as a realistic possibility. Um, like I said, I mean, I – you know, it's – we stream for guys to move when – they're not doing anything, but at the same time, that kind of takes out like the loyalty aspect out of sports. Like, right. You know, uh, will Matthew Stafford just want to be a lion all, you know, the rest of his career, right. retire as a lion, maybe Um right. it, it's just tough to see, you know, but realistically I could definitely see him going to, you know, Denver or um, New York and just kind of coach up the young guys. However, if it's from the bench or, you know, on the field and just having, you know, drew lock or Daniel Jones or, um, I mean, even Gardner Minshew, just learn from him or something. Right. And yeah. th- that that could be a realistic opportunity or whatever. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, no, I know what you're saying. And honestly, I kind of want
1: to flip that on its head and kind of go the opposite direction with it. The one opportunity that I think Matthew Stafford is going to have this offseason is New England. I think that it, I think New England would be very, very dumb to not give the lions a call about Matt Stafford or to not give Matt Stafford a call and and try and get him in new England because new England is not bad enough to get a top pick in the draft right now. They're not bad enough to get a top quarterback in the NFL draft this year. So them being able to draft middle of the pack, but also get a solid quarterback will definitely help them out a lot because I mean, Gosh, I could not think about Bill Belichick with another elite quarterback like Matt Stafford. And I mean, kind of wrapping up the Matt Stafford talk a little bit, but also kind of giving you another bullet point to maybe work off of here. Matt Stafford is probably the most underrated quarterback like of our generation. I mean, <laughs> the guy played in Detroit and he's never done anything. But if you look at the records, if you look at the stats, Matt Stafford is right up there with guys like Phillip Rivers and, and all these other guys. That are solid, solid quarterbacks that are surefire Hall of Famers. That that's why, in my opinion, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I believe Matt Stafford's a surefire Hall of Famer as well. I mean, he's never won anything. He's I, I maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think Matt Stafford's ever even won a playoff game. So it's it again. I understand that the wins aren't there, the rings aren't there, but at the same time, the guy is statistically just as good as every other quarterback
0: in the NFL right now. I think it's just exactly what you said at the tail end there. I mean, year in and year out, he's been, you know, up there with those guys. And, you know, I I think it's, it's, he really hasn't had anything to really work with. I mean, a good quarterback is a good quarterback, but once you give him really good weapons to work with, then that's when it absolutely skyrockets, you know, with him and Calvin Johnson. I mean, it was pretty much those two all day, every day for years. Yeah, and for, for, I mean, whether maybe Detroit wants to be like, all right, let's give it one last go and just, I don't, you know, I don't know the cap room or anything, but try to go for, you know, a couple receivers at least, you know, it's just Matthew Stafford really hasn't been given the chance to succeed in my opinion. And if he he would have been given some more weapons, you know, like some more receivers, then, I mean, we would have definitely seen him deep in the playoffs in my opinion, you know, it's just, he's been so consistent, and obviously we talked about how tough he is, how much he battles. Um, I, I think that should, you know, give him his gold jacket. But, right. you know, it is it is tough to say. I mean, if Eli gets a gold jacket, it, then I, I'm sure I, Matthew Stafford better get one. I know right. Eli has two rings over Matt, but, I mean, a 500 record, come on now. Like, <laughs> right. I, I, it's, it, it's tough. You know, I don't know if he'll really go first ballot. Um, but I, I think he'll end up in there for sure. And he is just completely underrated just because he's just been in Detroit and it's like, oh yeah, he's on the lines, whatever. Like just yeah. because he's in that lines uniform, he's been overlooked and it's completely unfair. Right. No, I
1: completely agree. And to kind of correct myself here for a minute, Matthew Stafford does not have any playoff wins. They've been to the playoff three times, lost all three times. Matthew Stafford is number 17 all time on the passing on passing yards, um, sorry, let's see here. I'm trying to like get the stats as I'm as I'm rolling along here, but yeah, he's number 17 all-time behind Drew Bledsoe and Vinny Testaverdi. Um as far as passing yards go, obviously again, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I feel stupid for not having all the stats here, but I don't believe Drew Bledsoe or Vinny Testaverdi are either in the Hall of Fame, but at the same time, Matt Stafford's right up there with I mean, he's right up there with with a bunch of these guys, you know, number 17 on passing touchdowns as well behind Vinny Testaverdi. So he's a guy that has been solid throughout all of his career, all of his career. He's been the only bright spot in uh, in Detroit. And I think that, again, moving on from Detroit this upcoming season and going somewhere where you're going to see him succeed. You're going to see him win a playoff game. You're going to see him do things that will allow him to cement his legacy. I think that that'd be huge for him. And uh, I, like you said, I think that a lot of people would appreciate him more and appreciate his legacy more if he did that.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. He just needs a chance. He just needs some weapons to work with. That's all it really is. In my opinion.
1: Yeah. Um, So I do kind of want to talk about the Ravens now bring it over to the Trace McSorley aspect of it. Um, Trace McSorley is now the starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, There's not really a whole bunch of news as far as Lamar Jackson goes, but Trace McSorley McSorley is the only quarterback right now available for the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson could come back from the COVID-19 list as early as this weekend, from what I've heard, from what I understand What are your thoughts on the Baltimore Ravens possibly having to play another game without Lamar Jackson? I mean, obviously their best player.
0: Yeah. um, You know, we never really want to wish injury or sickness on anybody, but you know, for, for our sake, it's going to be really good to see them fall down like that. Um, You know, it, it, you know, from the fan aspect of, you know, they stole our team. You want them to never succeed. And then obviously with our playoff hopes right now, you don't want them even attempting to catch up to us. You know, we're on a hot streak right now. Um, you know, we got a pretty, uh, pretty good chance to, um, you know, I kind of transfer that and ask you a question, you know, sometime later, maybe, but you know, we have a, we have a pretty good remaining schedule that we get to play. I mean, obviously this upcoming game against the Titans is, um, probably for me, it's one of the biggest tests of the year. Um, most definitely. And it, it's just, you know, we, we need all the help we can get at this point. You know, you got so many teams in the same place as us, not a lot ahead of us, but a lot in the same place as us with that eight yeah. and three record. So. Right. um, it, It's just, it's really good timing for us, obviously not for Baltimore fans, but really good timing for us. Um, you know, if we could keep on this hot streak, and then you know it comes Monday Night Football time. They roll into Cleveland. We're on a hot streak, and they're just getting their guy back. You know he's he's still all right. This is my first game back, and I got to play Cleveland. And then, it, you know it, it's it'll be a completely different story from week one. Um, it, it's just really, like I said, really good timing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's you know we talked about it. The NFL is a week to week thing, but now it's a day to day thing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. right. They ended up playing a game completely almost seven days later, a whole week later from what they're supposed to play. Right. Um, it, it's just wild how, I mean, it's just how each day can change. Games are being just completely derailed, shifted, changed around. It's like, man, are any of our games going to get like this? Like, I was really scared our games were going to get canceled or something. I'm actually surprised that they haven't yet because it's
1: like you said, it's just been absolutely ridiculous. I mean, ridiculously crazy about how everything's been going on. But uh, like you said, Baltimore was supposed to play on Thanksgiving day. Didn't end up playing, played next, the following Wednesday. Um, and then now they're playing Tuesday. So they're not even playing on Sunday. They're not playing the um, Cowboys when they were supposed to play them on Sunday. They're now playing them on Tuesday, December 8th. And then they will end up playing us on Monday, getting back to the regular schedule. Again, I don't see a scenario where Lamar Jackson isn't back for our game, but I I mean, again, if if he continues to test, to test positive for the coronavirus, Lamar Jackson could end up missing this game against the Cowboys and that could be huge, you know? I mean, they, I will say hats off to Baltimore, I hate the Baltimore Ravens, hate them more than I hate the Steelers, but Baltimore played that that Steelers game tough. They really did, and I I did not think that they were going to be able to pull it off, especially after RG three went down. But Trace McSorley went in, and he I don't want to say that he looked like a pro quarterback because he didn't, but he did look better than RG three did, and I think that that's something that you could even look at maybe moving forward that Baltimore makes Trace McSorley the number two there in uh in Baltimore, and I think that it's really smart what Baltimore has done, and even though I again I hate Baltimore. But you have to give credit where it's due. They've centered their whole offense around a mobile quarterback, and then they put three mobile quarterbacks on their offense. I mean, who in the NFL would have ever thought that something so simple could be done, you know, but I mean, you have Lamar Jackson, who's obviously the most mobile quarterback in the NFL right now, Um Then you have RG three, another guy that when he played, he was the most mobile quarterback in the NFL. And then Trace McSorley at Penn state, their whole offense was centered around Trace McSorley, who was the Swiss army knife of the Penn state offense. And he's again, a mobile guy. So what they've done is phenomenal because when you lose a guy like Lamar, it's not as big of a cut as it would have been if your backup somebody like a big Ben type, like a, a gunslinger type or something like that. Because again, your offense is centered around the same type of play style.
0: Yeah. But that can um, honestly, for me, it can also be flipped as, you know, you have a offense and you have two guys behind you or behind your starter that run the same exact way. So either way, the opposing defense knows exactly what to do against you and exactly how to stop you. If they close in on your line and pinch in on that line and put a lot of pressure on your quarterback, force them to make bad throws, then, you know, that, that could also be turned as it's really easy to beat them. Cause I mean, sitting now at what are they six and and five, six and five. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they've gotten figured out pretty easy. Um, You know, another, this could be a hot take. It's been thrown around a lot. Um, Steelers players have obviously commented on it, whether or not the Steelers are the worst undefeated team of all time. Um, it, it's it's a weird situation, man, because when you think you have Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, Ben Roethlisberger, James Conner on the offense, and then you have Minka Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden, uh, Bud Dupree, who's unfortunately out for the rest of the season now. But that defense, I mean, it's really – I don't know, man. It feels really weird to come out of my mouth to say that. But also, I mean, when you got your quarterback throwing 50 times and he only manages 288 yards, I mean, you're throwing 50 yards. You expect huge numbers. And uh, it's, you know, his completion rate uh, compared to his attempts is a little rough. Um, I, I. I don't know, man. Before I say something crazy, I want to ask your (laughs) opinion on it. How do you really feel about that whole statement or whole situation? About the Steelers being undefeated, the worst undefeated team of all time? Yeah, if they're the worst undefeated team ever, or just kind of give your opinions on it.
1: Well, that's actually something I was looking up as we were talking. Because obviously I know the 72 Dolphins and the 2007 Patriots were two other teams that were undefeated, but I didn't know if there was any other ones. Um, nineteen ninety or nineteen thirty four Chicago Bears and nineteen forty two Chicago Bears also went undefeated. But that was so long ago that I mean, obviously, I'm not going to say we don't count it, but we I mean, there wasn't even film from back then. So like if we don't really know about those guys. But I will say that out of the nineteen seventy two Dolphins and the 2007 New England Patriots. Yes, they are easily the worst of those three teams because the pittsburgh steelers offense has looked very 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 shaky and if their defense and tj watt has if some of those guys don't step up then you're looking at multiple losses i mean you're talking about a baltimore ravens team who was missing their two best quarterbacks they still almost beat this this steelers team you're talking about the dallas cowboys who had a fourth string quarterback, a practice squad quarterback, uh, the week before the game, then they almost beat them. They, they were one throw away from beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. So again, it's not, it's not any shade to the Pittsburgh Steelers because I understand that as a Browns, as Browns fans, we're going to come off like we're being jerks about it. You know, like I, I don't want to get crazy, but I like, it's going to come off that way. But it's not just Browns fans saying it. it's everybody in the NFL because the 1972 dolphins were a phenomenal football team and they went 16 and 0 for a reason. The 2007 new England Patriots, their offense was phenomenal. Their defense was phenomenal. I mean, they were the most well-rounded team in the NFL possibly of all time. So like when I look at the Steelers and I look at the Patriots, even though the, the Patriots were, they, they lost that Super Bowl to the Giants. I really feel like if this Patriots team went up against this Steelers team, it, it's a no contest for me. You know, I think Tom Brady and Randy Moss absolutely obliterate the Steelers defense, even though that is the part of their team that is great. I think that this, the Patriots offense was just a whole nother juggernaut at that point. You have arguably the best wide receiver of all time playing with the best quarterback of all time. I mean, that was like some Joe Montana and Jerry Rice type stuff, you know? So I wish we would have gotten to see that a little bit longer, but at the same time, I mean, this Steelers team, dude, like again, I think that the Patriots would absolutely manhandle the Patriots uh, defense would totally manhandle this Steelers offense because you're talking about again, I I don't want to come off like rude or, or cocky or anything because I have no room to talk because we're eight and three for the first time in our lives. But <laughs> Big Ben is, I feel like he's been extremely overrated this year. I think that, yes, he's coming off that Tommy John surgery and, and that's a really tough surgery to come back from. But a lot of people are saying he should be in the MVP talks. And I think that that's a little ridiculous. I think that, I mean, For as many people that want to rag on Baker Mayfield for missing that throw to Rashard Higgins in the end zone, at least he didn't throw a pick like Big Ben did because Big Ben had a wide receiver cutting right over the top, and I know you've seen the picture of it. I mean, because it's been flying all over Twitter. But Big Ben had a receiver cutting right over the top, had him wide open, took completely missed him, pump faked four different receivers, and threw an interception to Tyus Tyus Bowser, I believe his name is whatever his name is. I mean, it's just, again, like I I don't understand the hype for the Steelers offense. Anyways, Chase Claypool has been phenomenal. Uh, He's a guy that should be in rookie of the year talks, but Juju Smith's another guy that's extremely overrated. In my opinion, James Conner has not been phenomenal. I know we've talked about, yes, he missed that game because of COVID. And again, prayers up to James Conner. but this, this Steelers team, I think it'd be, I think they'd be very lucky to go 16 and I I understand that there's still five games left, but I, I just feel like they'd be very lucky to go 16 and
0: I think they'll slip up somewhere. I really hope it's so, um, you know, it's kind of going really far down the season. Once it comes time week 17, when it's Brown Steelers again in Cleveland, um, you know, they're, they've just come way too close too many times so far this season. It's You know, it's something's got to give for this team. Um, And we are definitely going to be the thing I think that's going to give for the Pittsburgh Steelers because we have them figured out. Baker's been smart. We have Chubb and Hunt back. I mean, you know, can't really predict the future, but, you know, they're (laughs) averaging 100 yards a game each almost. I mean, it's – we definitely have things figured out. We finally realized the play defense with offense thing – um, I definitely think we are going to be the thing that gives, um, and it, it's been a tricky situation because I've honestly been paying attention to these Steelers games. And it's like, when they're playing, you know, other AFC teams, it's like, man, you better not blow this because that'll screw us. <laughs> like, right? no, you, I mean, you're almost like, all right, go perfect until you play us because <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> right. we're, we're not really catching up to you. So it don't matter but you better not blow this game against these other guys. But it's like you said, and like we said, it's just, they've come close way, way too close, way too many times. And um, one thing I want to, it's just the blast, the refs, I guess, a really quick turn is um, how that game winning first down when they came out and measured it, how they called that a first down and how yet ours was not called a first down is absolutely ridiculous to me. Another thing right. that has been completely trashed this year is officiating for yeah. our games. And I've noticed it around the NFL have been absolutely terrible.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And like you said, th- the fact that they called the Steelers first down when you could clearly see the gap in between the first down marker and the football, and then they didn't call ours a first down. It just shows that there's plenty of bias in the NFL, I know a lot of people don't want to talk about that. They don't want to say, oh, this team gets more calls or better calls than the other team or the Steelers get better calls than the Browns. But again, if you ask most Steelers fans, they would admit to that. I mean, I have a brother-in-law who's said that to me time and time again. We, I sat in the same room as my brother-in-law, that Cowboys game that they almost lost where there was plenty of calls by the refs that bailed out the Steelers. And he said, man, it feels good to be the Pittsburgh Steelers because... If you're any other team in the NFL, you're not getting that call. It, besides maybe the Patriots.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They really don't have that same image anymore, but right. I, I, they're still getting calls. But it, yeah. it's, it's sad that that happens, but it is what it is, I guess. Yeah,
1: right. And I mean, I do kind of want to make one more point here that if the Steelers end up going 15-0 and and to to the points where they have to play us and the Chiefs go 15-0, and er, yeah, if the Chiefs end the season at 15-1, and one, the Steelers are going to have to play all their starters against the Browns. And that's something that a lot of Browns fans don't want to think about and a lot of Steelers fans don't want to think about because the Steelers want to rest their guys going into that final playoff game. But if they if the Steelers want to have that final seed, they're going to have to play their starters against the Browns because if they lose to the Browns, which is a division game, they're going to end up... Um, having that tiebreaker with the Chiefs, I'm not sure who would end up actually getting the first seed because of the tiebreaker. But yeah, I don't see a scenario where if the Steelers go 15 and 0, they have to play their starters because if the Chiefs end up at 15 and 1 to end the season, then I mean the Steelers are going to want that first round bye, you know? So. They're going to try as hard as they can for sixteen to zero, in my opinion. Now, if say the Steelers slip up this week against the Redster or the Washington football team, sorry, <laughs> but uh, or, or any of the other weeks that they play, um, who did they play the week after the Bills? That'll be a tough one for them. Um, I think that if if the Steelers slip up against any of these teams, then you're you're re- they're really going to have to hope for the Chiefs to lose another game because. I don't see a scenario where the Steelers are 15 and one and the chiefs are 15 and one and the Steelers get the first seat over them.
0: Yeah. It's just, you look at what the chiefs have done and how they've beaten teams compared to what the Steelers have done and how they've beaten teams. There's absolutely no way right. that the Steelers would be rewarded with that.
1: Right. And that's, again, I just, like I said, I don't see a scenario. I think that right now it'd be, It'd be very interesting to see the playoff picture as of right now, because right now you have the Steelers at one, the Chiefs at two, the Titans at three, the Bills at four, the Browns at five, the Colts at six and the Dolphins at seven. Right now, looking at the playoffs, you have the Browns and the Bills playing in a playoff game. I mean, the Bills haven't won a playoff game in forever and the Browns. Have ne- haven't won a playoff game in forever. So th- that'd be an insane game to watch because I think if you're if you're a football fan in general, you're crossing your fingers, you're getting on your knees and you're praying for a Browns Bills first round game because out of any out of every football town, you have the Cleveland Browns who are the one of the biggest football towns in America and the Buffalo Bills who have the biggest one of the biggest fan bases for a football team in America besides maybe the Cleveland Browns and now they're going head to head playing for that playing for a playoff victory for the first time in forever so I think that'd be a great one you got the Colts and the Colts and the Titans that's a division matchup You know, that'd be a good one. And then the Dolphins, you got a young stud and Tua and then Patrick Mahomes, who's obviously the face of the NFL right now. Man, I'm just so ready for the playoffs already, you know?
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be exciting how these things play out. Um, But there's just, you know, like I said, with so many other teams in the AFC with in the same positions as us, it's just I mean, these seeds, you know, they're obviously already planted kind of, you know, oh, this is – if the playoffs end today, this is what they are. But definitely when we're coming to week 17, I don't – a lot of it, if not all of it, is not going to be the same at all because it, it's just crazy what these teams are doing week to week. Um, you mm-hmm. know, te- teams are dropping games that you shouldn't drop. Teams are <laughs> winning games that you shouldn't win. So, it. it this, I mean, this season, obviously – um, the year 2020 itself, outside of how the football is being played, is crazy. But how it's just how teams are playing and coming together, and the, you know, the weird circumstances. It's just really exciting.
1: Yeah, I do kind of want to just go back to the Steelers just for a quick second. I while we were talking here, I was kind of putting the input into the NFL playoff machine. If the Steelers and Chiefs both finish at 15 and one. The Chiefs will have the tiebreaker over them, which means they will get the first round bye. So, again, the Steelers are going to do whatever they can to make sure that they are either 16 0 or that they have more wins than the Kansas City Chiefs because right now, at this point, the Chiefs are 15 1. They've only lost one game to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. The Steelers have not lost any games yet, but if they sit their starters for week uh, 17, they they really, they might screw themselves out of out of a first round bye so i think that again if they are 15 and 0 by the by the time week 17 rolls around there's no doubt in my mind that they're playing guys like big ben, juju, chase claypool all their starting offensive everything you know and i'm i'd be real inter- interested to see how this defense comes out against the bills now i don't want to say the uh the washington football team because we know that their offense is a little suspect but at the same time, the Bills is the team that I'm really interested to see them come up against because you you're now down um, Bud Dupree. Sorry, I, I kind of had a brain fart there for a minute, but <laughs> you're now down Bud Dupree for the rest of the season. Bud Dupree and TJ Watt were, I mean, two of the best defensive players in the NFL so far this year. And we'll just put it like that. But now that you're now that TJ Watt. Is missing Bud Dupree. Now, offenses are going to kind of look at that and go, well, we don't have to worry about that other side as much as we did when Bud Dupree was in. You know, so now they're going to focus a little more on TJ Watt, which might slow down his production a little bit.
0: It's just one of those things, like I said, it's just the Steelers are going to slip up. And unfortunately, it comes off an injury of how they're going to slip up. I mean, you can't control it. It's just, you know, <laughs> how the football gods are wanting things to go. Um right. it, it's oh man. It, you know, you never want to wish sickness on a player. You never want to wish injury on a player, but it's just uh things are just coming together for us. And yeah, right. It's just, it's really good. Um you know, like you said, the Washington football team, uh I mean if Pittsburgh drops that game, oh man. Yeah. Th- that's that's gonna be rough. Um, you know, the bills is going to be, I, I think the bills have a chance to finally take down the Steelers and give them that loss call, uh, that loss in the loss column. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I think if they drop a game, they're coming off of such momentum. They're definitely going to, you know, morale is definitely going to be down. They're definitely not going to mm-hmm. be playing as well. It, it's no, it's a no brainer thing. If you've ever been in a locker room, you're on a streak and it finally ends, you know, that next game isn't the same, you know, right. that. um, right. And so it, it's, you know, the, I'm really, really rooting for the Bills. Um, I a, think a lot of people are. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, kind of touch on if we get a Browns-Bills playoff game, um, you know, the Bills Mafia, you know, those psychos up there in New York, upstate New York. I <laughs> Jumping mean,
1: through tables and stuff. Yeah, they are
0: they are psychos, but they are damn passionate about that football team. And right. then obviously we know. I mean, we're psychos for sticking with this team for 20 years, so um, (laughs) it'll be really great to see. But like I said, I don't think it's all going to be the same, in my opinion. No,
1: I mean, I'd love to see again. I don't think it'll stay the same either. But again, it's it's going to be interesting to see how these last five weeks or whatever it is plays out in the NFL, because. Again, the thought as a, as a football fan in general, the thought of a Browns bills playoff game makes me so excited. Um, and again, looking at the Steelers last part of the schedule here, they have Washington, which that's kind of a weird one because Washington's still playing for the division at this point. So Washington's going to come out with a little extra fire than they would if if they were four and seven any other year, you know. So then they have the Bills, who the Bills are still technically playing for the division because the Dolphins are right there behind them. It I believe it's what are the Dolphins? Are the Dolphins seven and four or six and five right now? I think they're six and five. Let if me I'm not yeah, wait,
0: let me check real quick and I'll get back to you.
1: And then you have the Bengals, which that's going to kind of be a rollover game. That's going to be their that's. I don't want to say it's going to be a second bye week for them, but it's going to be a little bit of a rollover game for them. And then you have the Colts, the Colts are still playing for a playoff spot. And then you have the Browns, the Browns are still playing for a playoff spot. So again, all these teams that the Steelers play within the last five games, except for the exception of one team, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals, they're all playing for playoff spots or somewhere in the playoffs to either get a home field advantage or week one by or whatever it is. So it's, it's going to be kind of interesting to watch the last part of the Steelers schedule.
0: Yeah. So like I said, I get back at you. i let you finish. The Dolphins are seven and four at okay. this point. So, um, and like you said, it is really interesting watching the, the tail end of that schedule. It's, <laughs> it, I don't know, man. All I can really say is just, it's absolutely wild on how this is all going to play out and you right. really can't predict anything. I mean, you know, football minds and the guys, you know, at the national level of media and everything, they can say what they want, but at the end of the day, there's not a chance. I mean, there, that it's going to 100% come true. I mean, this, this season, we've obviously seen, I mean, predictions have came wrong. People have been wrong about a lot of things and nothing is guaranteed ever. Um, It's, you know, it's really just, all I can say is I, it's just wild. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I know I'm just at a, such a loss for words. I'm being like that no. guy right now, but it's like, <laughs> no, I don't know, to. man.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I do kind of want to flip over now, since we are a Browns podcast to talk about the Browns a little bit. Um, I do want to preview the game versus the Titans. And I do want to look at the rest of our schedule here. So I know you personally don't like to pick winners, losers within these games, but um, I'm, I'm going to kind of do that myself here for a minute. Um, I do think the Browns come out victorious this week against the Titans. Uh, you can call me crazy if you want to. I think that they, I think that the Browns learn from that Raiders game and they kind of sit and make their own game plan. I guess you can say that follows that Raiders game mold. They kind of learn from uh, Gruden and they send Nick Chubb and they send Kareem Hunt out there and they absolutely control the clock and they control the time of possession and they force the Titans to make the every single possession count. So I think that the Browns really will end up playing the clock and winning this game for that Ravens game. I think it's going to be tough. Like I said, I think Lamar Jackson's back. I think, I think it's really going to be tough, but I think the Browns slip up, stop the, or snap the or snap the winning streak. I'm sorry. And they end up beating the giants and jets and then beating the Steelers to end the season. So I think that the Browns end the season at
0: 12 and four. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you, I mean, if we pulled off the Titans, win, were we going to win out? So the answer to my question, I was going to ask you, um, it's the Raiders game was the biggest blessing in disguise that Browns could have ever received. Yeah. Because like it, what you just said, it completely changed how we plan for a game. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, ever since that Raiders game, we've been playing into pretty shitty weather also. So right, <laughs> you're right. going to have to use a plan, but it just, you know, it took a loss to a team that you maybe shouldn't have lost to, to really take yeah. a look internally and how your team needs to run. And it's, you know, the things are right in front of you, but you don't really see them. And it's obviously, yeah. like you say, control the time of possession, play offense with your defense, and just feed Nick Chubb constantly. Feed yeah. Cream Hunt constantly. I mean, you know, I think Baker has has learned that. We've talked about it so many times. I mean, would he like to go out there and throw 35, 40 times a game? Probably. I mean, that's what he was at Oklahoma. But, you know, I think he's content with – being you know the game manager and being used when pretty much he's needed to be honest when you need to throw the ball that's when we throw it um it's you know everything's really gelling together we know how to win games but at Mm -hmm. the same time we have to watch because teams know how to beat us with that aspect also um it you know it's kind of cut and clear how to really beat us is attack our secondary yeah but um you know just get get the offense off the field for, you know, if you're looking in on a Cleveland game. Um, But one thing about this Titans game, I know we're kind of still on the all around thing Um, Mm -hmm. just real quick. I just got a question for you. I mean, um, you know, we obviously know run, run, run the ball. That's our thing. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, we do throw the ball pretty decent. I mean, we're for the circumstances, a pretty balanced offense. We are really, really slim on wide receivers this week. Yeah. Um you know, we just signed uh Jamarcus Bradley to the active roster off the practice squad. So yeah. pretty much you're playing with four receivers. Does that worry you at all?
1: Not really, because we have a guy like Jarvis Landry. Um, I'm not gonna sit here and and put all of our weight on Jarvis Landry, but I think Jarvis Landry and Richard Higgins really make up for a lot of this, and Kadaro Hodge is very underrated. Um, I think very underrated is even an underrated term to use because the guy has, he's snuck up there and he's snuck into that two spot. And, and even Rashard Higgins, him and him and Rashard Higgins are battling right now for that two spot. And I think that they're both playing out of their minds and anytime a ball is thrown their way, they are getting their hands on it. They're trying everything they can to catch the ball and, and they're doing a great job at it. I mean, really cadero hodge was obviously not available for that game against the uh the cincinnati Bengals, where baker mayfield completely went off and uh and took that game winning drive and and won it for us you know and um donovan people's jones had to step up and that's another thing that doesn't worry me as much as donovan people's jones has those reps he has those snaps where they really mattered for us you know you're talking about a, a win or lose situation you got a minute on the clock. I don't even think it was a minute at that point. And and Donovan Peoples-Jones is making insane catches. He's getting his hands on the ball and he's doing what he can to win the game. So I think that what I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is very a very solid wide receiver. And I think once he really gets involved more in the offense, I think he's going to be used a lot more as well. I think next year is a year that we could look at that possibly happening. But Kaderil Hodge, he's been good. Um, Richard Higgins has been phenomenal and Jarvis Landry, no words can even be said about how much he stepped up since the absence or with the absence of Odell Beckham. And, uh, and, and I mean, this offense has really looked solid. I don't want to say it's looked better without Odell or whatever, you know, but I think that, I think that Jarvis Landry stepped up a lot and I think the running game will help even, even it out a little bit more, really looking at this game, the Titans and the Browns are very similar. They both depend on the run game. Their quarterbacks are not it. I don't believe Ryan Tannehill's an elite quarterback. You can correct no, me if you, <laughs> right, you can correct me if you think I'm wrong. Anybody uh on Twitter wants to think I'm wrong, that's fine. I get it. I'm not always going to be right, but I don't believe Ryan Tannehill's an elite quarterback, and they don't depend on Ryan Tannehill. And that's exactly what the Cleveland Browns are doing right now. They don't depend on Baker Mayfield, they depend on their elite backfield to get them through games and to allow them to win games. And that's exactly what the Titans are doing right now. Their defense is very suspect. You know, they're they're not good. Um, And the Browns defense is not good. So I think that this game is going to be very interesting. I think that it's going to be a shootout. But at the same time, I think it's going to be a shootout with the run game, if that makes sense. And I think the Browns have every opportunity in the world to run the clock and just completely control this football game.
0: Yeah, it's just a battle of... Pretty much who's going to get, it? who's going to have the most time of possession, really. Um, You know, Derrick Henry is obviously a guy that a lot of teams worry about coming in, trying to tackle him. Um, And, you know, our secondary, you know, trying to come up has been, we know, we know how it's went. Um, Right. A linebacking core hasn't really. I, I do not I don't really know what to comment on it, but you know, um we did make some ac accusations, I guess you could call them, or acquisitions, whatever yeah. that word is. Made <laughs> some moves. Kidding. So yeah. we're gonna have uh Sioni Taki Taki, he's off the COVID list now. So he you know, he's proven to be a pretty solid tackler, so that's good to have him. And then also off of I think it was off the NFL exempted list, we signed Tedrick Thompson. He mm-hmm. uh, was a safety. So, we got some safety help off of that coming into this game. So, you know, obviously, BJ Goodson has been the leader in this linebacking core mm-hmm. um, since, you know, Joe Shorbert and Christian Kirksey are gone. So, BJ Goodson stepped up. Sioni Taki Taki's been, you know, kind of working. Mack Wilson, I mean, Taki Taki and Wilson, they're both young guys. You know, they need time to develop. And I, I really wish Browns fans. Uh, you know, the sum at least would get out of this things need to happen overnight mentality because it's absolutely not true. It's literally impossible. Um, right. You know, obviously we're impatient. We want a winning season. I mean, we're guaranteed to have one now. So you right. should be happy. But right. um, it's, you know, things cannot happen overnight. Guys need time to develop. Guys need time to transition in the NFL. Um, so I'm not really worried about those guys right now. I mean, and just thinking, you know, you have Grant Delpit that was out, we could have had him. And you know, you have these guys that, you know, they're unfortunately in the early stages of their career. And, you know, like I said, things can't happen overnight. We need these to develop and just to think, I mean, having a fully healthy team, where we'd be at right now and right. how we've how we, we'd look into the future would be insane. Um, you know, having a healthy greedy out there, uh, Grant Dell Pitt having the healthy Odell with how this offense has been flowing. It'd be crazy, but unfortunately mm-hmm. that's not how that goes. So, um, I guess on a scale of one to 10, give me your worry level of these guys trying to tackle, uh, Derrick Henry, if you are.
1: Man 10 being like very worried or 10 being like not worried at all.
0: 10 being very worried.
1: Oh man. Um, That's honestly, that's been my biggest worry coming into this game. Um, Derrick Henry's the hardest tackle in the NFL right now, and it's not even close. Um, He's a guy that he will put you on a highlight reel. If you do not tackle him the right way, if you do not wrap up, if you try to do that little weak crap, like Josh Norman did, you're going to get stiff armed into next week because he will absolutely destroy you. Same thing like Earl Thomas, we saw in the playoffs, he absolutely obliterated Earl Thomas because when guys get in there and and even Earl Thomas did it, he, he said, man, uh, who, did, who did the Titans play in the first round? The Patriots, earl thomas said something to the extent of man it looks like the patriots aren't even trying to tackle him and yeah that's that's what that's what derrick henry does to you he makes it look like you're not even trying to, to get he's not even trying to get tackled because he's not he these he's so quick he's so strong that he's absolutely obliterating guys and he's making it look easy so i think that as far as one to 10 goes, how worried I am, I would say I'm at a nine right now because our guys have struggled to tackle throughout the season. I swear, I pray to the Lord that Derrick Henry and Anderson Dejo do not meet because I think Anderson Dejo might die on the field if <laughs> he gets a stiff arm from Derrick Henry. So it's, it's going to be a very interesting game, to say the least. But again, the Titans defense is not good. So. We're going to have to play defense with our offense and keep Nick Chubb, keep Baker Mayfield on the field, and keep Derrick Henry on the sidelines, trying and itching to get in the game.
0: Yeah, but I, I, you know, with the worries that we have, I'm really glad that, you know, guys like Taki Taki are back. Yeah, Um, Mick Wilson's another guy that's solid too. Yeah, and, you know, one point I kind of want to transition. We are all over the place, but that's the perks of the mega episode. You're going to bounce all over the place. Um, just, you know, the rookies this year, um, with the, we talked about how teams, you know, obviously us and teams, or we just talked about us, but Mm -hmm. you just got to really put into perspective of the rookies this year. You have to transition. I mean, obviously it's a hard transition from college to the NFL period, but Mm -hmm. you got to give the rookies credit period from transitioning from college to the pros, in this, um, what do you want to call? It? I'm this year, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, for, um, them to come in and perform the way they are is crazy. Um, you know, we're we, one guy that kind of makes me think about that is Jedrick Wills. I mean, he's yeah. he's done really really good things for us. Um, he he's like I think he's fourth in like I don't know how they really rate offensive alignment, what that's called, but he's like fourth in something. <laughs> yeah. Hold um, on.
1: I, 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 you actually sent me this tweet. So hold on. I can, oh yeah. There I we can, go. We got to pull it up. Yeah. I'll pull it up right now for you. Um, so Joe Thomas actually retweeted. He said, what a stud. So according to PFF, um, Jedrick Wills is first among all rookie offensive tackles. And he's fourth among all NFL offensive tackles. He has a 1.9% QB pressure rate over the last five weeks.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, like Joe Thomas said, dude was a stud. Um, you know, like I said, we've been bouncing all over the place, but there's just so many points that we want to cover. Um, there's not really a smooth transition for any of them. Um, but I, I just got to give hats off to not only jegic Wills, um, but just around the league. I mean, these guys have been exploding. Uh, it, it's, you know, for this situation and how they've had to learn the game like this, it's – you, you got to give hats off on it but um uh, it 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 really is just amazing and I'm really glad that we got Jesuit Wills it's a very good pick yeah. and um I actually did see since we're talking about Twitter now uh OBJ is he was I think I don't know if he was standing freely on the leg from the mm-hmm. torn ACL and he is working on his obviously his one handy catches so that's really good to see that Odell is you know He's, he's getting up back on his healthy. feet and moving yeah. around. Yeah. So, um, you know, that that's for a future thing, but it's, you get some positivity in there. So, you know, guys are developing, guys are getting healthy. Um, you know, unfortunately I really haven't heard too much about how Grant Del Pitt is doing, but that's a completely different injury, uh, torn ACL and torn Achilles. They're both absolutely terrible, but yeah. that, that's definitely something that's, uh, it's not good. Yeah. And it's really different to recover from. Yeah. But you know, from what I've heard, he's been doing good. Um, he's pushing for his Pro Bowl votes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, zero, yards, zero yards, yards allowed. <laughs> not a lot of targets. Um, so you know, it's funny. I mean, the guy has humor about it. Yeah. Um, I I think uh, coming into next year for him, just you know, watching this team and what they've done, mm-hmm. um, this season, I think it's just going to boost his excitement so hard, and he's yeah. just going to come out absolutely tear it apart. Next yeah.
1: Year. No, I completely agree. And I think the safety help is something that we're going to talk about a lot. I mean, obviously in the off season, uh, people are going to want us to draft safeties, linebackers, guys like that. So I think the grant help coming, Delpick coming back is going to be absolutely huge for the Browns. And I think that he's going to look, he's going to look good. Um, he was the top graded safety going into the draft. That was huge. Um, I do kind of want to look at the draft for a second, actually, now that we're on the subject, um, the top rated offensive tackle or yeah, offensive tackle in the draft was Jedrick Wills. He ended up falling to us at what was it? Pick 11 or 10 or something like that. Um, so he, he falls to us. Top rated offensive tackle. Great. Awesome. Now we're talking about safety, which was another need in the off season that we addressed with the top rated safety in the NFL draft. And that was Grant Delpit. Obviously we've seen a uh, Jedrick Wills play. He's been great. Um, like, like I just said, 1.9% QB pressure rating uh, the last five weeks. That's the best in the NFL among all rookies and fourth in the NFL among all offensive tackles in the NFL right now, right tackle, left tackle, whatever. It's, uh, it's been, it's been great to have him on the field and I don't expect anything less from a guy like Grant Del Pitt. And I know he's going to come out and he's actually, he's going to absolutely destroy everybody's expectations.
0: Yeah. It's just, honestly, I mean, with all the guys out right now, if we had a hundred, hundred percent healthy team and I mean, honestly, a better defense, what would be looking, what would we be looking at right now? It's just absolutely insane to think about it. Um, And like I said, I know we've been all over the place. We usually try to transition things very well to make it actually (laughs) feel like a flowing conversation. I know that transition was absolutely horrible. But it's just we have so many points that we wanted to get into. I mean, the mega episode, it's mega for a reason. I mean, we've just been filling out things so much and yeah. we just wanted to get things out so quick. So, um, yeah, if, if right. you have a good transition point, go right on ahead. Cause I obviously didn't do a good job today. <laughs> no, you're good. I
1: honestly, like you said, it was like with this mega episode, we literally just like, we sat down separately and kind of just all put a, put all of our bullet points on one paper and just said, Hey, let's roll with it. Because with a mega episode, it is kind of like, it is just all over the place, and we're just constantly trying to figure out um, or constantly trying to figure out what we want to talk about because, like you said, there is so much to talk about. But I do – obviously, we're not closing out right now, but I do want to close out with the Browns, so let's just keep it on that point. And I want to talk about how big of a game this is going to be for the Browns' offense. Um, a lot of people are saying this is the biggest game of Baker's career, which I think – I don't want to say it's an over exaggeration because I do understand where they're coming from but I don't think that if the Browns lose this game that pe- the the front office and Andrew Berry and Kevin Stefanski are just going to say screw Baker it's over we're done with him after this season. You know, I don't think that's how it's going to work. But at the same time, I I think that if the Browns come out they put up a fight, Baker Mayfield looks good, I think that but the Browns still lose, I think that obviously a lot of fans are going to feel a little more secure about that. But at the same time, I want, I want to ask you this. I don't know why fans put such big expectations on one game against a bad defense. Like the Titans defense isn't good. So if Baker Mayfield comes out and throws for 300 yards and two touchdowns and looks phenomenal, everybody before the game was saying, this is a maker or break game for Baker Mayfield. But then after the game, they're going to say, well, it was just the Titans defense. The Titans defense sucks. So what is your thoughts on that? Because when people kept saying this is a make or break break game for Baker Mayfield, I don't completely understand that.
0: Yeah, it's, um, you know, the situation, how I look at it, it's like, I I just don't know what people are thinking because like you said, it's, oh, it's a make or break thing. But then when he does really good, it's all, you you know, you you don't give him the benefit of the doubt or, you know what I'm trying to say? No, right. you're you just know. performing against a shitty team. But, um, you know, people can say, like, oh, the Browns haven't beat anybody good. And, you know, the record against 500 teams or above 500 teams, it's whatever. Um, right. You know, you play who's on your schedule. Um, That's, you know, whether or not I'm just straight up blindly defending the Browns you play who's on your schedule that's how it works um right in this whole thing with baker it's you know how i'm gonna look at it is it's completely idiotic to say yeah if baker loses this game this is just completely it that's completely stupid to say that right but but if he wins this game i think it's okay baker performed against a solid team this is a big game for him a big game for our franchise if he can perform under that pressure then i think we got our guy but if he loses to the titans they're not just gonna say all right this is completely done baker is not it that's just not you know the fans are going to be screaming for it but you know the front office the coaching staff everybody's not just going to be like no this isn't it that's just to say that um you know obviously you want him to perform in big time moments but also i'm gonna say it again give the guy a chance where he's not switching coaches either in the middle of the season or after the season. And he's completely got to wipe out the offense. He just learned and get a new one because obviously Kevin, Kevin Stefanski and this coaching staff is going to stick around next year. So I think they have to give him next year as the evaluation year. We talked about it a couple episodes ago or however long we talked about that the fifth year option year should be the year that we critique him this year it's unfair to i mean at the end of the day you have to look he's leading an eight and three team right now right and he has the best backfield in football so of course you're not going to use him as much you're not going to throw for for 3,500 yards through 11 weeks or however many weeks it's been yeah 11 weeks you're not going to throw for 3,500 yards through 11 weeks when you have two running backs that I know Kareem Hunt isn't averaging it or correct me if I'm Mm. wrong is averaging it but you have two running backs that basically average 100 yards game alone by themselves and they're both pretty much starters you're not going to throw for 3,500 yards that's just not it so you can't it's unfair to say like yeah Baker Mayfield only has 2,000 something yards like it's he's just playing in a situation he's put in he's doing a good job at it like yeah his accuracy issues could be fixed here and there yeah but you to judge a quarterback off of one game at this point in the season is completely unfair with this situation of the season it's completely unfair
1: you
0: don't Good teams, high IQ football minds, I'm going to straight up say it, does not judge whether or not the quarterback is the quarterback of the future when you have a winning record and you're solidified at this point for a playoff spot. You don't judge your, the future of your franchise or the future of your quarterback like that. It's mm-hmm. it's not the situation for it. Yeah, if we were um, four and whatever – then yeah, yeah, maybe four and seven or whatever. Yeah, right. maybe you'd be like, all right, if Baker loses this game, then maybe right. then he's not it. But obviously, we're not at that situation, so it's yeah, it's uh, he's never given the benefit of the doubt, and it's completely unfair. And it's just, I wish we'd get out of that mindset. The past twenty years or the past twenty years, we're obviously on a new foot, completely. Just we need to wipe that mindset out we have a quarterback we do not need to judge him almost pass by pass week by week we can't judge him like that he's the guy he's been uh consistent for us for the past however many years he's been with us now just i should honestly just stop with this stuff that's no. why like It's frustrating.
1: It's frustrating for sure. And I do want to go back to the stats you were saying before. Nick Chubb is averaging 102 yards a game. Kareem Hunt's averaging 64. So, together, they're averaging 166 yards a game, which is still absolutely ridiculous. Um, Yeah, this team is just – Okay, so I do want to say, like, I understand if the Browns win this game and Baker Mayfield looks good, I understand feeling more secure about Baker Mayfield. But if Baker Mayfield comes out and looks the same way he has the past few weeks, which is I mean, again, it's not phenomenal, but he's been solid, you know, pass for one hundred and seventy five, two hundred yards and a touchdown or two touchdowns. You should still feel good about baker mayfield if the browns regardless of if the browns win or not because 175 200 yards a couple touchdowns that's still a decent game it's not like we're expecting baker mayfield to come out here and be the next patrick Mahomes right now you know again you got to give the guy time and you got to let him work because again he's he's had different head coaches. He's had different offensive coordinators. He's had different GMs. There's been no consistency within the Browns organization. So again, I think this Browns team is is just doing itself a favor by yes, letting Baker Mayfield play out this year, pick up the fifth year option, And then critique him in the following season, it would be his fourth year at that point. So again, you critique him his fourth year going into his fifth year, because obviously in that off season period between his fourth and fifth season, that's when you'll either give him a huge contract or you will either, or you will just decide to not give him a contract, you know? So that's something to kind of look at as well. Again, like you said, just kind of repeating your point. We have Nick Chubb, arguably a top three, top five running back in the NFL right now. We have Kareem Hunt, arguably a top 10 running back in the NFL right now. You're not going to use your quarterback all the time as much as you absolutely want to when you have guys like that. And then another point I kind of want to say, too, is that the talk at the beginning of the season, at least on Sports Talk Radio, was that Baker Mayfield never let a game winning drive. The Browns never won a game because of Baker Mayfield. And when the Browns did that against the Bengals, it was, Oh, the Bengals suck. That's, that's why Baker did it. Well, you asked for Baker to compete in a game winning drive to allow a game winning drive. And he did that. You won the game because of Baker Mayfield and the passing offense. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, no Baker sucks because he did it against a bad defense. Well, you asked for him to do it. And you didn't tell, I mean, again, like you said, you can only play the guys that are on the schedule. So again, I, I can only waste so much breath and so much time, like fighting for a guy like Baker Mayfield or the Cleveland Browns in general, because these fans, they don't really understand. And they, it's like, they just want to see him come out and be phenomenal right away. And again, like you said, not everything happens overnight.
0: Yeah. And what I think it is, honestly, part of it is how Patrick Mahomes has spoiled football fans. Um It's Patrick Mahomes has pretty games all the time. He throws for just ridiculous numbers every game. So I think Browns fans are expecting a Patrick Mahomes-esque quarterback every time. And that's completely unfair. And you can't do that. Um, It's I just don't understand. And it's like we talked about. I'll throw the word out all the time. It's just couch athletes that think they can go out and do it better, and they're just not. Like you, you you can't just unlogically comment on a quarterback's play. Like it's, it's just stupid. Like Baker makes makes one bad throw, and the couch athletes are like, "Yeah, no, that was completely terrible. Like Baker sucks." But. You completely ignore the fact, like, even if it's against Cincinnati, I mean, that's 21 straight completions in a game-winning drive. That's unbelievable. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes did that, Twitter would explode. The NFL would explode. It's just he doesn't carry – he doesn't have his name, the the Patrick Mahomes name. He doesn't have a name for himself like that. He's – it's just Patrick Mahomes has just spoiled the NFL. And Browns fans expect – Baker Mayfield to be like Patrick Mahomes and it's just not that. Patrick Mahomes is one of a kind. And mm-hmm. NFL quarterbacks are not gonna do that. It's just I the same thing again. Just leave the mindset of the past 20 years out because that's just not how it is anymore. Um yeah. we have we have a guy. I mean, and like I said again, if Baker was blatantly terrible, then absolutely I would be right. like that. But Baker is not terrible, he's not a bad quarterback. Whether the couch mm-hmm. athletes that played all four years of high school football on JV want to <laughs> say it, then you know, of uh, right sure, but he's right. just not that quarterback. Yes, he's inconsistent at times. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna blindly defend Baker Mayfield because there's times where you look at him and be like, that is not a good play. Or um and, you know, when he does something bad, I will absolutely point it out. But nothing has been absolutely terrible except right. for that slant interception against Pittsburgh. That was probably terrible. That was yeah. like the one terrible thing I can think of Baker Mayfield doing. Right. So far he is not like it's Right. I just don't get this all this criticism. Like if he was a literally a blatant terrible quarterback, then yes, yeah. I would understand it. But Mm -hmm. it's just how he the Browns franchise where they've been since he has been a quarterback for us I just don't understand it man like how could you not think this is the future I just don't get it
1: yeah I mean I do kind of want to talk about that for a minute and then I do have one more point I also want to make before we close out here but Patrick there was a video going around the internet about Patrick Mahomes and it was the game against the Bucks. he I mean there was quite a few throws where he's he overthrows Tyree killer. He overthrows McCole Hardman for five, 10 yards. You know, he it's, it's a bit of an overthrow and it, it was a pretty lengthy video. It was probably about two minutes long and they were all from one game. That's nothing against Patrick Mahomes. That's every quarterback in the NFL has their moments where, Hey, you're going on a deep route and I overthrow you by five yards. My bad, you know, like it's not, it's every single throw doesn't have to be on the money things are going to happen the ball's gonna slip I can't even think of what I'm trying to say right now but like the he's the mechanics aren't going to be there you know things are gonna happen things are going to change but again as long as the majority of the time the quarterback is on target the money or the uh, quarterback is on the money it's it's good, you know, and Baker Mayfield, that happens to be the case. A lot of the times, the majority of the times, he is hitting the receiver right in stride, or he's hitting the receiver right in the numbers, or he's throwing the receiver open. And that's not something that a lot of quarterbacks can do, you know. So that's something that I kind of wanted to point out as well. But Jarvis Landry, uh, the, the Pat McAfee show was a show that I listened to religiously. Jarvis Landry was on the Pat McAfee show. And Pat McAfee asked Jarvis Landry about the culture coming into Cleveland. Obviously, Jarvis Landry was traded to Cleveland, uh, what was it, would it be three years now?
0: Mm -hmm. I believe
1: so. so. Yeah. So this will be Jarvis Landry's third year. So three years ago, Jarvis Landry was traded to the Cleveland Browns. He was talked about he was talking about how what was the culture like coming into Cleveland and what was your what were you trying to do to change the culture? Because obviously coming into Cleveland, the culture wasn't great. We were coming off 0 16 and 1 15. Hugh Jackson was our head coach. It was it was a struggle fest. It was it was a dumpster fire, you know. So he's kind of I just want to pull a quick quote here and he said my biggest thing to everybody obviously he's talking about coming to the Cleveland Browns in the organization was not ever taking the field hoping to win it was taking the field expecting to win and that's something that when you have a guy like Jarvis Landry like I cannot stress how much I love Jarvis Landry in the Cleveland Browns uniform and how much I want him to retire a Cleveland Brown because His attitude towards the game of football, his attitude towards being a game changer, an organization changer, a trendsetter, whatever you want to say, his attitude is phenomenal. I mean, he came to a team that even us Browns fans, we were saying the Browns are the worst team in the NFL. They suck. They're awful. They're never going to be good. And he came to a team that was never going to be good in many people's eyes, and he changed the culture. And that was something that, again, it's words can't even explain how much Jarvis Landry means to this Browns organization. And I know that this is totally off the wall, but it was something that I was scrolling through my book barks on Twitter and and I saw it and I was like, yeah, I totally need to bring this up.
0: Yeah. He it's, he was, uh, he is one of the biggest blessings the Browns have ever received because he's a guy that, you know, guys coming in to the Browns organization in the past, it has came out of their mouth that they want to be the culture change, but in the back of their mind, they're like, yeah, this is impossible. Like, right. I'm just saying this just right. to say it. But Jarvis Landry was literally about that. Right. He came in, and he, he didn't even have it. I'm, I don't know. I can't really go into the guy's mind, but it obviously didn't seem like he was that type of dude. Like, he said it, and he was about it. Right. Um, So, it, it you know, big Jarvis Landry coming to the Cleveland Browns was – uh, it's. I'm so glad that he did, and That's I'm right. sure he's glad that he did also. Uh, right. It's just. It's just. I'm really glad that it finally has turned around. Um, yeah. And I really, I really wish fans would under some of the fans would understand that it has turned around because there is the fans that are like me and you that are logical and realize the things that are happening, and then there's the other fans that are just like, dude, like have another beer. Why don't you? (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's just, you know, they're talking out of their ass, honestly. And I wish, you know, those type of fans would realize what's going on here.
1: Yeah. And like you said, I mean, Jarvis Landry was a blessing for this team. He really was. Um, When obviously Jarvis Landry's first season here, the HBO show, why can't I think of the name of it now? Uh, Hard Knocks? Hard Knocks. Yes. There we go. Hard Knocks is here and he puts on this amazing speech. And a lot of people, a lot of Browns fans go, well, Jarvis Landry knew the cameras were on. That's why he did that. But regardless of if he knew the cameras were on or not, that was a speech that he really, you could tell in his heart of hearts, he really meant that because the culture was contagious. And that's exactly what he was talking about winning or losing, regardless, it's contagious. And he was saying, we need to start to change the culture here and make winning contagious because as soon as we do that, that's when things are going to turn around. And man, again, I just Jarvis Landry is my favorite Cleveland Brown. And I I can't even hide it anymore because this dude is every single week, every single time I see a video of him or hear him on a podcast or or something, it's literally makes me smile because he makes my Cleveland Browns great. You know, he's a guy that no matter who's the quarterback, no matter who's the coach, no matter who's the offensive coordinator or whatever, he's going to go out on that field, try and do whatever he can to make the culture a winning culture and to make this team a great team.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, if I ever had the opportunity to meet him, I'd be like, dude, thank you so much for flipping around 20 years. Like, right. Honestly, that's right. all I'd say. I'd be like, thank you for flipping around what has been in the past and, you right. know, completely throwing it in the dumpster. Like, yeah, you know, right. whether you, you know, whether you believe it or not or whatever, like whatever you think about it, like I just want to say mm-hmm. thank you for finally flipping it around. And, you know, maybe yeah. I'm sure he's probably been told that so many times, but like. Right. <laughs> It's drop to my knees and cry like thank (laughs) you for finally finally changing the culture man like thank god you're a person that was actually about it not just said it like yeah it's just amazing yeah but i again i want to thank everybody for listening to this episode
1: and thank you guys for listening consistently and and constantly following us on twitter following us and following us on instagram subscribing to our podcast it really means the world so thank you all for that i hope you guys enjoyed this mega episode of around the nfl and uh make sure you tell a friend be a friend tell a friend about our podcast pass it along because again any exposure is great exposure so we uh love you guys we love all of our fans and we hope you enjoyed this episode as always go browns